All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing? I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Back to Your Story, a podcast about real people and real stories. This is story number 32. Today, I had on the amazing Dennis Mansfield. Dennis is a passionate man of progress. He's a business coach, author, and a speaker. It was a real honor to speak with Dennis, uh, to have him on the podcast. He's such a funny guy, has so much insight on a wide variety of topics. It was really great to talk to him. Um, I do apologize about the audio quality. Zoom is doing shitty these days, but uh, I hope you guys do enjoy it. Um, that being said, without further ado, here's the story of Dennis Mansfield. From the land of mystery, where dreams become reality, always listening to stories from the past, the present, and the future, this is Back to Your Story. All right, all right, all right. Thank you so much, Dennis, for coming on the podcast, coming on back to your story. I really appreciate it. For people listening and tuning in for the first time, why don't you uh, do a brief introduction? Well, I'm honored to be on your show, Brock. Uh, Background, public policy background for years. I've been a businessman for years. I saw it sort of as a parallel two-track method of impacting our culture and and really uh, creating wealth for my family and myself. And so in doing that, uh, I realized after a while, you know, when you're, when you're involved in politics and you see things come and go, realize that's not going to be the way to go. When you're only involved in business and you see things go up and down, you're like, uh, seriously, I'm going to be held captive to the next wave of whatever, either productive or non-productive financial situations. So I decided that I'd, I'd uh, start helping on nonprofit things. And about 30 years ago, long time ago, my wife and I got involved in helping families, just helping them with, with um, you know, problems that they might be having, uh, whether it was kids that they were trying to raise and they had some difficulty because the kid was dyslexic or because there was some dilemma with um, something else, some physical problem. So we started helping out and we formed a 501c3 and for 10 years helped the families of the Pacific Northwest and loved it, man. Absolutely loved it. And, uh, and, and then, Politics came back <laughs> in. They always do. And I got stunned by this thing called uh, a candidacy. There was an open seat for Congress and uh, for US Congress. And so we spent a year, Susan, my bride of now 43 years, she and I spent uh, a year running for office. And it was kind of cool because where in the past when I was younger, it was like, you got to look like a candidate. And, I like the candidate. You know, at this point, I went, us, look at that, screw that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be me. And had a blast. Uh, Had an absolute blast. The the end result was that four days before the election, which I live in the Pacific Northwest in Idaho, that if you win a particular party's nomination, you are going to win the November election. It's just the way it is. And so um, four days before the election, my oldest son was busted on drug charges. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was brutal. I didn't what know he was doing drugs. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Uh, it, it was opiates, right? 
it was. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, my, my son, Nathan, uh, or as we always call him, Nate, was just an amazing man. I loved being around him uh, when he was a young boy, when he was an adolescent. Uh, just a great guy. He he started taking uh, you know opiates, and then of course as the expense of the opiates skyrocketed, he he uh, started taking just heroin, and and so we we didn't know any of this. One of you know Dennis Davis was candidate, and all of a sudden he was busted. Four days, the guy that was opposing me used it to his advantage, and then uh, he went to Congress, and and I really went to the heart of my son. It was a better place to go to than Washington D.C., and and for about nine years. We just worked together on on what what would it take what what was taking him and um, and, and why uh, I, I was uh, you know a little bit familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous I'd had some uh, some work with friends who were involved in that but I'd never been involved in real you know drug addiction yeah uh, how old was he let's see he was nineteen at the time yeah nineteen okay. nineteen years old. And you were in, in coming towards the end of, of the election when all of this started to happen. Um, you know, for, for me, I fully understand what, what opiates are. I mean, I used to suffer from opiate addiction myself. And it's, uh, it's something that's really running rampant throughout, you know, the yeah. world, United States. And, um, you know, what, what you guys have done, it's, uh, it's incredible. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'll keep it short because it was really nine years of arduous love. It's the best way to put it. And uh, in 2009, uh, Nate had gone back and forth to jail and prison, all based on drug charges, and um, got out of prison, fell in love, and then had, a, uh, had an accident where the docs gave him morphine for his back. And when they did, as you know, um, it was, it was brutal on his heart. And that night he had a heart attack and died. He was, uh, seven years old at the time, almost 28. And I just brought to this with him. And, uh, in a sense it did, both Susan and I realized that the things that matter most aren't even really the love of a child, adult child, or the love of a family, the things that matter most are just love. The of object course. of our the object of our love, if we're healthy, uh, will be a will find itself in our lives even after the person dies. And I think that uh, I happen to be a person of faith. I became a Christian when I was in my early twenties, but I found that by and large, the the evangelical community across the United States. What, what, they really weren't involved like they could have been. And um, and so through the process of a number of things, uh, I started helping ex-addicts and ex-inmates. And, and um, we've seen almost 4,000 men and women uh, beat addiction. Uh, it's been remarkable. Uh, and, and I got to believe, Brock, that, you know, Nate, uh, had he been given the chance longer than he lived, to beat addiction, yeah. he he would be on the show talking with you about the, uh, you know, things that you and he. Oh, had, for sure. You know, it's like, you know, a parent going through a situation like that um, at, at any level, losing a son, 
I, I can't even imagine uh, the magnitude of what, uh, what, what that even feels like. But then to take something that is so uh, terrible and, and turn it into a positive to really, you know, bring the name of your son uh, to, the, to the highest mountains um, and help other people. It's, it's one of the most amazing things anyone can do. Um, when, when, when that, when, when all of, when all of that happened, what, how long was it until you, um, wanted to turn that into something positive that was, you know, helping others? Well, I think it, it really was during those nine years when I realized that I was ill-equipped and that there are more moms and dads and members that were ill-equipped who would be evangelicals or Jews or in some form of a, you know, and I just reached out to everybody and just said, hey man, the things that I used to be involved in in politics, they're dead to me. The things that are involved in rehab and seeing people uh, come to being alive again, they're alive to me. And so it was, it was probably over the, the last I'd say probably the last four years of his life. And then after that, it's, uh, it blew my mind. Rock, um, uh, the publisher, Simon Schuster, uh, reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to write a book about it. And um, I thought, really? Uh, every book that's written about drug addiction always ends with the character arc being, and then he got out of drugs. Yeah. Mine doesn't. Mine is, he died and went into eternity. They did. They, they, they wanted it. And so Beautiful Nate uh, is the name of the book. It came out about seven years ago. And it started me on a whole different world, brother. I, I wrote this book, and all of a sudden, thousands of people are reading it and are being helped. And not, not hundreds of thousands, just thousands. Uh, because the, I found that there was a huge gap of awareness by people who were addicted or family members who saw their family members addicted about wanting to learn about it. What they'd go is, Ooh, better you than me, man. <laughs> I'm like, what? You know? And so That's the crazy. book, the book was a deep success in the lives of the people that read it, but just a modest success in terms of numbers sold, but it did get me going and writing. And so now yeah. I've, I've written eight books in a short span of uh, seven years. And, wow. uh, and there's no holding me back, man. I'm having a blast. No, 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 no. And we'll get to we'll get to your latest book. That's for sure. Um, uh, to trust in what we cannot see. I got a lot of questions about that. Um, but but before we get to that, I, I do want to kind of bring it back because you have this really incredible story, you know. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on and speaking about Nate. You know, that is it's it's really important. I talk about this all the time. I talk about addiction. I talk about opiates. I talk about um, how we need to wake up as a society, uh, the things that are going on in America. If we just continue to turn a blind eye, it's repeatedly happening over and over and over again. And unfortunately, um, you know, Nate was, was caught in all of that. Um, before all of that, though, before your son, um, you know, you, I mean, uh, you know, as a little kid, seeing Eisenhower to, to, to <laughs> you know, Kennedy, um, I, I, to West Point. I mean, just all, all of these things, if you don't mind, like, if we can kind of touch on them briefly. Um, as a kid, you, you saw Eisenhower. I did. I did. You know, I mean, it's so weird because 
you know, I mean, that's like saying you saw Abraham Lincoln or something. It's just, you know, so many hundreds of years ago kind of feel. But uh, dad was uh, dad was World War Two, Korea and Vietnam. So he was in the Navy, the Army and the Air Force over those years. He was not the soul of sensitivity, but he was a fan of history. And um, and so my very first memory was literally being on his shoulders as a toddler looking out and seeing uh, Eisenhower's car pull up to where we were. And my dad snapped to a salute. And the pres president of the United States, who was being re um, it was his second inaugural, so he had been reelected, um, saluted my father, saluted my sister and brother on either side of us. And then the car turned. And then we went to the inauguration. And, and that was my first memory. I'm like, what? Oh. But it was so sweet, man. It was history right in front of me. And yeah, that's uh, incredible. In Kennedy, we have it was really weird. Uh, Dad was transferred to an Air Force base down in Texas, where uh, Johnson, who was then senator, um, would always come in, and and they'd bring in the you know the celebrities and the political people and all that. And then Kennedy got elected, so now it was Vice President Johnson that came in. And when um, when Kennedy flew into uh, uh, into Texas in November of that particular year of 1963. Um, my dad said, Hey, why, why don't we go and see the, uh, the president speak? So I was at the last speech before the day before he flew uh, from San Antonio over to Dallas. And, and of course was hurled into eternity by his, by an assassin, yeah. three bullets. And so uh, what, a, what a legacy, you know, in, in terms of, I remember Meeting the president of South Vietnam, I remember meeting this the uh, minority leader of the of the House, majority leader of the Senate. I remember as a kid going to the rope line, and I remember Brock. I remember going, "You're you're no different than my dad or me or anybody." And I had this, I had this little friend, this old girlfriend, uh, uh, you know, that uh, just hung out with me, and we'd go to the, you know. Uh, to the rope line there was this this uh, midwestern uh senator named everett dirksen who had this really gravelly voice and one of those typical 1950s 1960s politicians you know the suit the tie and uh and he picks up I'm, I'm in second or third grade right he picks up my little friend and he kisses her well here's the deal I had just learned a word that my older brother had taught me. I had no idea what it meant, but I knew that old guys shouldn't be kissing second graders. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, all the media is around and everything. And I go, Hey, he looks down at me. And I go, put her down. You pervert. No. The news media is like taking pictures. Go, what the, what? You know, uh, and, and I guess that was sort of the way I looked at these guys, and and it's never yeah. changed really. Um, as the years have gone on, I've helped elect men, men and women to high office. Um, I've enjoyed it, but I've always done it with the idea: get in, do the best you can, and get out. Because yeah. our nation, our nation is is have been burdened but under both parties under the weight. Yeah of these professional guys who get in and stay in. It sickens me. It's crazy. And so it's crazy. 
I only help I only help people who want to get in and get out. And it's been a good track record. I've I really had a, a blast electing women and men to office, and um, and so I, I actually I actually taught my uh, two sons and my daughter to be involved in politics. And Nate, in his teen years, ran people for state house and state senate, and oh won. He never lost an election. And oh he's sixteen my. years old, seventeen. <laughs> It's in your blood. It's in your blood. It's it's literally. (laughs) It's in your DNA. Like like, seriously, you uh, when you tell these stories, it really like humanizes these individuals. Um, But you did touch a point. It's like um, as politicians, it it shouldn't be a lifelong position, right? There needs to be term limits. Like it doesn't even make sense. Um, You know, get in, do your job. Get out. Get out. Uh, well, Brock, I got, I got to tell you, I, got, I, I do have blood, sweat, toil, and tears on this issue because uh, in the state of Idaho, where I live, I, I live in the uh, in the city of Boise, which is the capital city, right alongside yeah. the Boise River. In fact, I'm looking out the window right now at the Boise River. Oh, are you serious? It's nice. In fact, we'll get back to that when we get when we get into the new book. I'll tell you how how it started. But but uh, I I ended up suing the House and the Senate in Idaho and getting a term limits bill passed and then ultimately them rejecting it and doing it again. We ended up putting term limits in four times and then it turned into what's called a referendum where the house and the Senate go, no, no, no. And it had to go back to the people. And then the people ended up uh, not turning out to vote and lost. So, you know, this, the ugliness, it's the messiness of our Republican, our Republic form of government, you know, and um, yeah, that's okay. No, it's, it, it is okay. But it's amazing that you did that. And there's, yeah. I, I don't know, the more and more I talk about this, there are so many people out there that are really starting to w- go, wake up and go, wait a minute, why are they running term after term after term after term? There has to be limits on this system. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um, well, and say, Brock, some of the greatest things we could do is have men and women who have passion like you have. And say, Brock, let's run you for office. And then you get in and you do what you can do. And then you get out. Because I think that was the heart of Thomas Jefferson. I think that was the heart of so many of those guys. Um, I mean, there there are people from the founding fathers and mother's days that were just, they were just badass. There's no way to say it other than that. They got (laughs) in. You you, you ready for this? This is what I learned. This is what I enjoy about bringing stories. Let's hear it. Okay, on the Declaration of Independence, there's a signature of a guy named Button Gwinnett. Are you serious? <laughs> That's a great name. It's so <laughs> great. I mean, I mean, you know, hello, my name is Button. <laughs> Button Gwinnett. Button Gwinnett. And, and so, this, believe it or not, it's the single most um, expensive and sought off, sought after. Uh, autograph in the world that that it's that there's so few of those that the price of an autograph um, hunter has to pay is more than any other including Shakespeare including go on down button Gwinnett but this guy got in he did politics and he got out my gosh I didn't even know that first off second off that is insane. And I wish that our leaders would live like Button Gwinnett. I mean, yeah. it would just make so much more sense. Do you ever see a future where there is going to be, you know, term limits? I believe that we're going to have uh, on the federal level, eventually, probably within the next two decades, 
uh, an amendment to the Constitution that will say, just like it limits the presidency to two terms, yeah. that it should limit the Senate to two terms and the House to three. And yeah. and I believe that, I believe, you know, there are a lot of people who look at the millennial generation and they go, uh, what a bunch of whiners. You know, I, I'm sitting here at the age <laughs> I am and I go, shut up, shut up. Yeah. Because the yeah. best thing we have going for us are the millennials. Right now, 70% yeah. of the workforce in America are millennials. You know what? I'm thrilled with that because they're look the millennials are, are are really looking and saying what well why and yes. and because of that i think we're going to see things in the next 20 years where people are going to go yeah we got we got to stop this and so i got chills yeah wouldn't that be chills. great wouldn't that be great I, I literally have chills it's 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 amazing to hear because i truly believe that as well my generation yeah. um we do we 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 are questioning things more than ever and looking at it from not just one way but multiple ways and i think that the more that we do that and 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 you know we can say the internet has brought a lot of bad but it's brought a lot of amazing um just the ability to spread information uh yeah. at, the, at the rapid level right and you could say good or bad but it has opened up our eyes and you're right. I do believe. I agree with you. In the next two decades, we could see a change. What about the Supreme Court? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's just going to continue to get more conservative. And that the reason why isn't because of Trump. It isn't really because yeah. of uh, whoever would take over Trump's place. I think that that what the value of the brilliance of our founding fathers and mothers was that there were these there would be this moving cog of government where. The House and the Senate would become more liberal. The Supreme Court would start moving more conservative. And then when the Supreme Court would start going more conservative, the House and the Senate would go uh, more liberal. And, and to me, that's the essence of balance. So, yes. so I, think, I, think, I think that uh, Trump may get his head handed to him. I, I, uh, so? I think what we're experiencing. Well, here, here, let me explain why. Um, I think there are, right now, if I were to call the election today, I would say mm -hmm. that even, and by the way, have you ever seen the movie El Cid? El no. Cid. It is one of the few Charlton Heston movies that nobody ever knows. You know, I mean, they know all these other old ones. But it's the story of this Spanish uh, leader who led this kingdom, but died right before the major uh, battle with the Moors. And they didn't know what to do with him. So they took his dead body and they propped it up on a horse. <laughs> they propped his dead body sitting on a horse and they put it out in front of the army. And his opponents, who all thought he was dead, suddenly saw him was alive and they all ran. And the Spanish history is pivoted on a dead guy on a horse. Okay. El Cid, CID. Uh, so I think that, I, I think that Joe Biden is the El Cid of our culture. I really do. I mean, I think he's a nice guy. I met his wife. Uh, I don't believe I've ever met him. We, I met his wife in Israel, of all places. Very oh, interesting. wow. Yeah, we were, That's awesome. We were taking a tour up there. And I, I go to Israel about every three years. I love Israel. I love the, I love it. I love the culture. And so yeah. um, I think he's kind of the El Cid of our, our, our time. Uh, I think that Trump, in many ways, uh, because of the – uh, he's always looking for a fight. He, he grew up looking for a fight. He's always, yeah. he did politics and fight. I think that at this stage right now, based on the incredible cities burning and all this other stuff, 
that that fight motif doesn't have the cachet that he thinks it has and that a lot of others do. And so, I I, we, you know, we got a we got a contest, uh, and you know, I'm a registered Republican, so it's not like I'm sitting there going, oh, you know, I I just think that um, right now, right where we are, it's going to be uh, very difficult for him to. I just, uh, you know, I, I fully understand what you're saying, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel that the Democrats, um, because I was a Democrat. Um, yeah. I uh, but I'm an independent now, right. and I uh, and. I, I just feel that the Democratic Party could have done better um, oh, than yes. putting Joe Biden in. Yes. Um, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And this is what uh, turned me off from the Democratic Party is is this nomination. I didn't understand last election um, when the Bernie supporters, after everything that happened to him, um, they wouldn't vote for Hillary. It didn't make sense to me at that time. Yeah. Flash forward four years later. I fully get it. I fully understand why at that time all, all of that had happened. Um, and so it's just, uh, it, it's very, very, very strange to me. So it's like, I used to be um, like, you know, forget Trump and screw Trump and, you know, everything yeah. that he did, good, right or wrong, it was bad. Right, 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 right. And now, I, I mean, he's not the, uh, the, 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 the most... Um, uh, easygoing, graceful <laughs> human being. But when he does something right, I'm going to say that it's right. You absolutely, know, it's just, it's, it's, it's freaking absurd. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. So just like everything that's going on, it's just really pushed me away from the democratic party, even though I'm super liberal, right. I just can't get behind it. So I, I say this all the time. I'm, I personally won't vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. Don't know if I'll vote for Trump or not. That's, yeah. that's not yeah. even up for uh, like a question. But I can't. I yeah. cannot put myself behind that. Let me just tell you, Brock. Um, I, I've been involved in politics four decades now, helping a lot of different people. But the balance that you've just now brought to that statement is the balance that I think the millennials who choose to vote will bring to the election cycle. But I'm going to throw one at you. You ready for this one? Here, here. I don't think Biden's going to be the Democrat nominee. I don't think he is. I think because there weren't enough delegates yet, they're going to go into what will be an open convention. And I believe they'll, yeah. they'll thank him and they'll pat him on the head and they'll set him off in the corner. And they're going to go after it's my, my guess that it'll end up being Hillary and it'll probably uh, be vice president. Really? Maybe, uh, may, yeah, may, maybe uh, Mayor Pete, somebody like that. You think, wait, wait, you think that Hillary will step back in? I think she's been frothing wow. at the mouth too, and, and <laughs> I don't doubt that. And and always remember, uh, she she knows how to come out of defeat. I mean, her marriage was a defeat. Her husband's presidency ended in a defeat. Uh, uh, all these things were there. Her her multiple now races for for president have been a defeat. But just think about, it. she hasn't had to do anything in terms of fundraising. She she already has her existing network. Uh, yeah. It might be that she takes maybe there's another toss up as they get into it. But but you know Bernie, uh, I don't think Bernie has the cachet with the with the rank and file Democrats to get it. He, he seems like too much of a bomb thrower for them. Even though he's not, he just seems that way. He's not. No, I, I, it's just crazy to me why they wouldn't get behind him. Um, because the younger generation definitely will get behind him. Uh, you're you're right. The rank and file Democrats, 
I, I, I don't know, but eventually they probably would. I don't know. In my opinion, that would have been the better bet than Joe Biden. But, you know, I, I <laughs> who well, knows? I you tell know. you what, Brock, if you go back to January, just January, uh, everybody was uh, sizing him up for his coffin. You know what I mean? Uh, his yeah. political coffin. And so, so uh, uh, suddenly Biden is the resurrected uh, new Jesus. And, and everybody goes, so no, you know, oh, he's just great. Well, he's not great. He's bumbling, stumbling. And if he gets into the buzzsaw of Trump, Trump will absolutely tear him up. Oh, it'll be, it'll, it'll be unbelievable. It it'll, won't, it'll, yeah. He'll yeah. get it. Uh, Biden will eventually get some sort of sympathy vote, but that'll be it. It's, no, but it's just crazy because it, there are clear signs of dementia or something going on in his brain. And it's, it's just really sad to see that, you know, that later on in your life, having to, uh, having to deal with it. I mean, there would be one thing if it was like a mess up here or there, but sure. the amount of screw ups uh, <laughs> that, that he has had. I mean, it's like, guys, come on, come on. So it's like, wake up. I, I really don't understand it. So uh, we'll, I, I we'll see, you, it, you know, November's not that far away, but I, I think that, I don't know. I think that Trump will get it. I, yeah. I just yeah. really, really do. Um, but you know, t- time will tell, um, you know, you, I, when, when I read kind of the, the, the bio about you, there were a couple yeah. of things that stood out. Um, it, one that said, former national Christian right political leader. Right. And then another one thing, one-time contractor for Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Um, <laughs> can we talk about both? Yeah. Oh, we can. Absolutely. Let's start with Jobs, okay? Um, all right. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So here's the deal. <laughs> I, th- this is, again, you know, I had this friend that, that is involved in uh, business. I, uh, I, I do business coaching. So I coach a lot of large companies and corporations and people and all that stuff. And it's awesome. I mean, it is just awesome. It's niche, the niche market for me. And this one guy says, he goes, Dennis, you're like the effing Forrest Gump of all time. And I go, (laughs) I go, what? And he goes, yeah, dude. He goes, Steve Jobs. How did that happen? You know? (laughs) And so here's the deal. I I love, you know, there are people that do television shows about flipping houses and doing this. I loved starting businesses and flipping businesses. And so, uh, I had the opportunity to buy a very small hydro seeding, hydro mulching company in Southern California. Didn't even know what it was. I just thought, this is make money. Looked at the, at the balance sheet, saw that it did. Got a business partner who knew the landscape industry. I said, okay, if we're going to do it, let's do it big. So our first bid, uh, was, to do something called, you ready for this? It's gonna, it's gonna take you back, man. Take you back. The US Festival. Yes, 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 yes. Dobbs and Wozniak wanted to do a Woodstock for high tech, quote unquote high tech in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. So they hired us <laughs> to put it together. And what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we ended up, we ended up uh, putting in this, this, <laughs> it was so fun. It was oh. like, it was like, it was like, I don't know. <laughs> creative uh writing or something I, hey let's put this over here let's do and what and Wozniak was like oh, that sounds good you know and, and jobs <laughs> is like well can i see the specs can i and he, he was just a kind of a royal pain in the ass but uh <laughs> but, but, but Wozniak was fun and the team that they had was fun so anyway we put together this entire deal at glen helen regional park in southern california and and uh this they brought all these bands in. Just Google us festival. And I think we did it twice, two years in a row. And, uh, and, and so I go there. Okay. I, I'm, I'm there and they get this band and I'm looking at them and I go, 
what a stupid name, man. And, <laughs> and, they, and they're just, you know, they're practicing and they're, but the music sounded great. And yeah. so, uh, Brock, I'm, I'm sitting there and I go, um, who, who are they? Who are the guys that are in a band? And they, each guy only has one name. And I go, so they all have one name. I mean, individually one name. And this band has two letters. And I go, yeah. I go, listen, somebody's got to help them because you two is never going to make it. No way in America will you two. That so it was the very first concert for Bono. And no, no, wait. What? Yes. Yes. What the heck, <laughs> man? That is insane. It was so. It insane. was so terrible. You were wrong on that one. You were wrong on that one. But the the, the sheer magnitude of just being there and oh. seeing that, and then looking back all these years later, yeah. that just blows my mind. You are like the Forrest Gump. As I hear your story more and more, I'm like. <laughs> You met Biden's wife and Eisenhower and Kennedy and this. Uh, this is crazy, man. Well, but but see, crazy. here's the thing. Brock, look at this. Look at you. Look at the people you get to meet every yeah. day. You get to bring in front of all your podcast, uh, you know, partners. Uh, man, you're, you're changing their lives. You personally are changing their lives because you've got humor and you've got attention to detail and you've got clarity of thought. And those things... They cogently bring things together that are diverse and that, that are separate to bring them into, hey, let's look at this today. Let's look at this. And that's all I've been doing for these four decades, you know. I've just been showing up and going, hey, what about if we do that? And all of yeah. a sudden, I'm yeah. standing there. And, and it's funny because uh, when I ran for Congress, there's another guy, the, the two of us were brought into DC and, and I liked him and I'd known him for a few years. And he was a radio guy, a radio dude. And, uh, and his chief, uh, the guy that was running his race was a really great friend of mine. And so we get talking. And so, uh, it ends up being that, uh, a bunch of people in DC put money into our two races. Um, there's a guy named Stephen Moore, who's sort of an economist and just, you ought to have him on your show. He's, he's amazing. That. Stephen Moore, and he started this thing, yeah, Club for Growth. Anyway, the mm -hmm. two of us got the maiden nod for money from all over the country to come in for moms and dads and business, small business. Anyway, that guy was uh, he became he did he did win his race, and that's uh, Vice President Pence. What? Are you <laughs> <laughs> Mike my Pence was a radio dude. and uh, uh, Wait, I, I was really? Him. Yeah, he was. He was. And uh, I, I, you don't see him as like a, uh, you know, shock jock or a top 40 or anything. No. But he did. He had this He had this radio thing, you know. And uh, oh. and it, and so anyway, I liked him. I, I Personally, I really enjoyed being around. He's a lot of fun. He doesn't come off uh, on a public uh, you know, way as a real fun loving guy. He, he's kind of serious looking, but I think that's not judging a book by its cover. He is really incredibly humorous. Guy. Yeah, no, no, that's wait, wait a minute. That's who you were running against, or no, we, we we were brought together as the two okay top races. I lost okay. mine. He won his. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. it. 
That's so crazy. But and what you just said, don't like judge a book by its cover, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. my come my pants does come off like dry and kind of yeah. turn and yeah. blah, right? But um He's funnier than all but behind doors, you know, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a different person, right? Yeah, um yeah. it's it's that whole like uh you know, a lot of politicians and on the camera and when they're speaking, they're very uh what what is that like presidential, right? Yeah. Um uh it's, and that's why uh, Trump is so different, right? Because yeah. he is not that at all. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's what you get, right? Um, but that's nuts, man. Did you know at that time, kind of bringing it back to, to Waz and uh, Jobs, um, like the magnitude of what you were even doing, uh, I, I, you know, I never putting do. that together? I, honestly, Brock, I never do. And all these things I had the honor of being part of, I never do. I just go, yeah. hey, this is a neat gig. Let's do this. And so... Yeah. Uh, it ended up making us a lot of money, and my business partner was a great business partner for a number of years. And and then uh, then I went into that uh, the whole you know five hundred one c three thing, and got to see that, and got to help people. And um, you know, uh, I I love contracting. I don't do it as much as I used to, but there are times where I'll look and I go, "Well, I really do a crappy job on that. I'm going to hire a contractor." <laughs> <laughs> so, and of course, I get it. Tool. I get it. Everything is tools. Of course, it's like your microphone. Yes. You got to have the best microphone. Yes. You know? yes, 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 yes. It's important. You know, it's a attention to detail, and if you, whatever you enjoy doing, it's um, yeah. uh, putting the right stuff in, in right in front of you. Um. Uh, so, getting back to the other question, right? Yeah. It's uh, you know, former national Christian right political leader. Right. Uh, right. That 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 keyword, former, right? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. What's that about? Well, um. Uh, for years, when I first got into politics, I saw uh, public policy as a um, an opportunity to just tweak law. You know, so for example, I was the lobbyist in Sacramento for the Building Industry Association, the, the, all the builders of Southern California. I was the lobbyist in uh, Palm, for Palm Springs and uh, Riverside, San Bernardino County. I was a lobbyist for the realtors. So you know, should should you be licensed to do this? Or, you know, all the little like boring things of politics. I enjoyed doing that because I saw that there was value in it, you know? And then uh, uh, as, a, as a Republican in a Democratic uh, area, I didn't win a lot of races down in Southern California when we lived there. And, and so... I understand. Yeah, you know, so Susan said, we, we went, for a, went for a vacation and we went up into Idaho and across the United States, we took our kids on 27 different states and we just decided wow we really liked idaho we really liked yes. the rivers and beautiful and so we decided let's go let's go move to idaho but but i'd sold my business and i'd really enjoyed uh something called focus on the family i don't know if you've ever heard of it but they had a radio no. program that really helped me you know look at my kids figure out uh, what kind of learners they were, uh, bedwetters, how do you deal with that? All, you know, just, yeah. I was sort of like, a, both my wife and I were, were sort of like uh, savages becoming parents, you know, like, <laughs> all right, we got a baby, what do we do with it, you know? And yeah. we get some basic, basic instructions, you know? And so we, we really enjoyed it. Well, that guy was putting together a public policy group that would help um, with choice and education. I, I, my wife is a public school teacher and I believe fully that people should have the right and the choice to educate at home, to educate under parochial schools, to educate in public schools, because the more competition, the better it is. And so I started yeah. writing, I started writing 
law and, and on that. Well, the thing was, I didn't realize that the group uh, focused on the family, uh, that when they said, yeah, come up to Idaho and run our Idaho division, I didn't realize that they would end up becoming sort of the lead agency on everything out there on any controversial issue. I don't even think they thought that they would. But for the 10 years that I uh, uh, worked uh, uh, as the executive director and the founder of that 501c3, I found myself more and more uh, liking the fact that I was not liked by more and more people. Figure that sentence out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like wanting to be in a WWE fight all the time, uh, uh, dishonoring people of a different uh, way than you are, and then yeah. and crushing them politically. And I found the guy I was becoming was really kind of uh, not who I really was. And so I committed 10 years to this. And, and as it turned out, the, the guy that, that was sort of the lead agent on, uh, on this whole thing, it was his son that uh, started the process of opening up the door for my son to get into drugs. So it was like, wait, time out. What? And, uh, and when my decade was over with that, I, I, uh, I, I ended up running for that congressional seat. Um, and, and I never really looked back because the, the, the truth of it is when, when people find that they're in love with a process that doesn't love other people in the process, it's the wrong process. And if Jesus said anything, he said for me to love people who are different than me, man. And, yeah. and, and so that means love the drug addict. That means love the person who's screaming at me because they want the choice of abortion. And I believe that all life is sacred. It doesn't mean that I have to yell back. It just means that I have to love back. And when I love yeah. back, that's the power of Jesus, not organized 501c3s. It's me. It's Susan, it's my kiddos, my grandkiddos now. Uh, it's us feeding people who don't have food, uh, giving money to people who, who, are, who are out of work. Uh, we, we made a decision to take 50% of all our entertainment funds and give them away uh, as a nonprofit to uh, organizations that will come to us and need money and all that. Because, you know, at this age and what I've got, um, one life will soon be passed, baby, but only what's done for Christ will last. That's it. And I'm not Damn being religious. It. I'm just being relational. No. I, yeah. my, my publicist loves me, and he goes, Dan, I can't even believe I love you. And I go, why is that? Yeah. He goes, because I don't love anybody who's conservative. I don't love anybody yeah. who's a Christian. <laughs> I don't love anybody. But you know what? I love him. He loves me. And, yeah. and, and we're, we're changing the world uh, one book at a time. And I got to tell you, uh, I had the weirdest thing happen that I was ill-prepared for. Uh, you know, I've, I ate books, right? You, you kind of know the routine. Yeah. You go on people's shows. You do this thing. They ask you, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, Brock, this is the best show I've been on. Ah, I kid you not. Thank you. Let, thank you. you thank Cause, you. Because you are like, it's like we should be opening Corona beers. And, and I know. You know what I mean? And, uh, I wish you were in the studio right and, now, and, man. Oh, here, you know, and, and so I, I'm, I'm sitting there. Um, when, when I hired this publicist, I said, uh, I said, Justin, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that 
I'm your typical kind of guy, but I think you're my typical atypical kind of guy. And he goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes you, you speak in riddles sometimes, Dennis. And I said, no, I don't. They, they're just grammatically, uh, oddly, grammatically, incorrectly correct. And uh, I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's just the, it's the way. So he goes. He, he says to me, he says, "Well, tell me about tell me about the idea of this next book." And I go, "Historical science fiction." Yes. And he goes, "Yes." What? And I said, "Well, I said, can, can I tell you the story I told him?" Yes, 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 yes. So, so, so uh, my wife, my bride Susan, and I, we're bikers, and so we love biking. We're, we're not the kind of the spray-on acetate pants you know and the serious look like get out of the way you know those guys we have these yeah. really we have these really cool uh, more expensive bike than i think my first car was and uh, and so we're we're getting ready it's about three or four years ago and susan just says hey let's do a barge and bike and i go okay because i've learned to just say okay and then say what is that you know and, right. and she says she she says it's a barge that you sleep on and you go to europe and then you, you float down the Danube River, and in the morning you get off with your bike, and then you ride for miles and miles. And by the time you get to wherever you get for dinner, that barge eventually gets caught up to you, and then you put your barge back on, or your bike back on the barge, and then you sleep the night there until the next day when you get off and boogie. So I go, oh, this sounds badass. Let's do it. Yeah. And we did it. And so we're, we're, we went through five European countries. Uh, we're just humping. We're just going. And we see Vienna. We're, we're come through the, like, I don't know, wheat fields or something of, of Austria. And we see Vienna and we go, Oh man, we got to get some beer in Wiener Schnitzel. So we, we boogie up there. We go into the central square. They call it the central plots. And I'm sitting there and I've got this beautiful Wiener Schnitzel and I'm sweating like a dog. It's just, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, you know, it's awesome. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, the German waiter comes over and suddenly, <laughs> boom, something in the back of my mind of a BBC online story i'd read years before popped up and i go i said you know my german's kind of and i said guten tag die geht es ihnen hi how are you and i said this is evil i'm cafeist do you know where a, a certain cafe is coffee house and and you know hans um, could, would you mind if we spoke german uh, uh, would you mind if we spoke English better than your broken German? Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, give me another beer. I think I'll I'll feel like I'm more fluent in the in the German. Yeah. <laughs> but he says, "Yeah." He goes, "It's Central Cafe," and I go, "It's famous, isn't it?" And he goes, "Yes." And I and, the, and we were with uh, two other couples, and they're all looking at me like, "Dan, what are you talking about?" And I go, "You guys, you can't believe this." And so Hans gives me a wink. He goes down here and to the right. And so we get on our bikes, we go down there to the right, we get off, and it's this corner like uh, building that's ornate, uh, built, it turns out it was built in 1876, and it is Austrian elegant. And they're like, okay, there's a million coffee shops. I said, no, 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 let's go in. This coffee shop, built in 1876, in 1913, the following young men lived around it. Young Adolf Hitler was neighbors with young Joseph Stalin, who was neighbors, without knowing it, with Vladimir Lenin, 
And then Leon Trotsky lived not too far. And then about three or four miles away was Marshall Tito as a teenager. What? Five, five tyrants who, what? In 1913. And so that my, my friends are all sitting there going, no way. And I said, yeah. And so while we're sitting there, this thought came to me. And I don't put a lot of stock into people who are providentially saying, you know, God told me this and God told me that. I just think yeah. we're creative sometimes and we put things together. And if, if the Lord blesses it, great. If not, keep doing it because it's kind of cool to do anyway. Uh, yeah. And so I thought, and I said it to him, I said, I got to write a story about this. Huh. And that was the seed that started to trust in what we cannot see. Because I asked the question, that's it, my brother. That's the bloody. That's the place. That's the place. It's so no way. Beautiful. It's so beautiful, and we we went in, and I just looked all around. We did, a, and when I got back to the United States, I asked the question that we all asked in that in that cafe in that coffee shop: If you could go back through time, would you a either try to change the lives of those guys if you got to know them, or kill those guys? And. Uh, I have, I, I mean, if, if my home office just has books all stacked up and organized and everything. And one of them that I love uh, is called The Elegant Universe. You know, when I was at West Point, I wasn't real good in calculus and I wasn't real good in other things, but I loved physics. I loved okay. physics. And this book, <laughs> The Elegant Universe, is by a guy named Dr. Brian Greene. And, and I just loved it. And his premise is the premise that Avengers and all these other guys have used of going back to quantum mechanics re being reduced in size and through the power of energy being moved into other space-time dimensions. Now, obviously, how's it provable? We don't know. But we know that the theories are there. So I started putting together the idea of if we used uh, Brian uh, Greene's theories through that book, uh, and we somehow made it work and could go back, what would the storyline be? And so I contacted Brian Green and I go, hey, dude, I love your book. I'm your fan, man. And, and, I, <laughs> and I said, can I use your book? And he goes, God, that sounds fantastic. Please do. So I got him. And then I started thinking, I have all these books with signatures in them. And one of them is the two-volume set. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio just did the thing on Grant on, yeah, on the yeah. History Channel. Well, that was all based on this two-volume uh, autobiography. I have a first edition autographed copy in my file right here, right, right over here on the. No well, way. Yeah, by Grant. And so I went, wait a minute. I could use that if I made the, the flux capacitor and the 88 miles yeah. an hour to be yeah. the DNA of every writer who writes on a book, leaves DNA where their signature is. Every writer, think about that. Yeah. And so the question became, if I could use that connected with a high energy source, which I described in the book, that would take me from a physics point of view into the time period that that book was first published with that, those people. Ready for this one? Yeah. Then I had a book on Hitler. Oh, my God. And I did the same thinking with that. Then I had a book. On, and we went through all the books that had signatures and stuff. And uh, the one on Hitler was by a guy named Putzi Hoffenstegel, who was... Uh, Hitler's PR guy, uh, and who eventually left the Nazi party and uh, before World War II and ended up helping the Allies. But all these things, all these books, all jumped off 
bookshelf to me. I, I created this, this, this historical science fiction salad that people could eat and that their brains could eat. And then I said, all right, I'm going to have a bibliography for this so that people can go learn about stuff. And when I first approached my publisher, they were like, a bibliography for your stinking fiction book? What are you, nuts? <laughs> now, I want you to turn. You've got the book right there in front of you. I want yeah. you to turn to the back of it, okay? Okay. And I want you oh, to yeah. go to page 209 to Works Consulted. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Now, turn the pages. Turn the pages. Wow. See, I wanted All people of- to have resource stuff. One of the things, yeah. and then you come to what volume two will be, and you can you can kind of see what what if history had just a few slight changes for volume two. So I'm working on that right now. But but here's the thing, I I, I had wow. to figure out Brock. I had to figure out. Let's use a little test case, kind of like in Back to the Future when Einstein jumps in the you know they they have the minute and they then they check on it. Yep. And uh, I've always loved the Beatles. But I, I really wanted the character to love the early Beatles. Uh, and most people, when you say the Beatles, they go, oh, yeah, you know, uh, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Okay, yeah. Well, the, here's the deal. It was actually John, Paul, George, Stu Sutcliffe, and Pete Best. They were the Beatles. No way. Yeah, nobody, ever, know know, that. nobody ever knows about them. And Stu Sutcliffe was really the leader of the band. He gave it the name, the Beatles. Well, he got injured in a bar fight when they were playing in the Cavern Club, which Susan and I went to Liverpool, went to the Cavern Club. He got injured in a fight there and had a brain aneurysm and died. So the question became, wouldn't it be nice if you could save his life? And also Pete Best got sick one weekend when they were were going to Hanover uh, uh, and, and Ringo took the place and they never had him back. So... That's how the four Beatles occurred versus the five that had started. And so one of my characters wow. said, let's go, let's use this and make it right. And so yeah. in order to do that, I reached out to Stu Sutcliffe's uh, family and his sister. And I said, this is what I want to bring your, your brother back to life and give him a storyline in my book. And she yeah. was like, yes, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and these names, uh, I just kind of the, the Forrest Gump thing, but uh, Peter Frampton. Uh, I love Peter Frampton. I love his guitar. But I, I'm a guitarist. Yeah, he's I, amazing. Just amazing. I contacted him and I said, I want to use your name in the book. He goes, dude, I'm coming through Boise. Let's get together. And so we got together. He's, he's stinking in the book. And then finally, you're going to love this. My, my, my little granddaughter loves different kinds of music and she was listening to willie nelson and, and I, I i'm a fan but i'm not you know a fan and yeah, yeah. and i go wait a minute let's use willie nelson so i reached out uh to willie and to his uh his granddaughter who runs all his business i said i want to put willie in the book and they go yes because my no. granddaughter is a fan you know That's so, cool. kind of so all Look those things you, man. and it is it is it's like it should be, which is educationally informative, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, and, there you are. You're back. Yeah, it's educationally informative. And because of that, uh, people all over the world are liking it. And, um, 
some crazy, some crazy stuff. National Enquirer contacted me during the pandemic. What did they say? And they go, we just think your book's badass. Can we put it as one of the top five things to do while people are stuck at home? I go, uh huh. And, yeah. <laughs> and so they ran it tw- in two two weeks in a row. They ran it, and they and, oh, and they also had this Willie Nelson concert that they were doing. So so Willie and I, you know, get connected again. And yeah. uh, and the Daily Mail, which uh, I, I didn't realize that the Daily Mail was as big as it really is in terms of yeah. news and everything. And their CFO got, got word of the book and said, "Hey, we want to run a." story worldwide for father's day on this book that you wrote and your crazy wild life and i went okay (laughs) (laughs) what does that feel like 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 honestly everything that you've done um and up to this point like especially with this book man uh, what what does that feel like you have these people reaching out i mean it's just it's just gotta be uh, just amazing well you know i the, the, I, I think when I saw my son's dead body and I held him in my arms 11 years ago, I think any sense of protocol or pretense left me, you know, because Nate was awesome. I mean, if you have a chance to read Beautiful Nate, you're going to read that and you're going to go, this is my brother from Dennis's. Lloyd's, I am a son of Nate. And <laughs> I will read it. Laugh. I, I mean, he really is pretty badass. And um, and so what that did was it made me realize I am nothing. I am nothing. I am not uh, the next big thing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I'm nothing. I get the honor of meeting you, Brock. I get the honor. Of hanging out. If there are people that want to go to my website, certainly you can give that out to them. I'd love to hear their stories. Because what's your st- website? It's just my name.com, DennisMansfield.com. Right. Um, yep. And and uh, because as a business coach, I coach all these guys, men and women, and and you you can learn business just like you can learn mathematics, but you can't learn people. You have to experience people. And so whatever I've set a goal and it's kind of fun because I have a mission statement, but one of my, you got to listen to this. Okay. This is just over over there. I'll give it to you, man. Um, It's my desire with God's blessing to live, to be 104 years of age, continuing to write coach and record podcasts until 2060. You could drop the mic right there, man. You could drop the mic right there. that is incredible see I mean, there's incredible. so many people that we get to love and touch and be a part of their lives and see them grow up and struggle with whatever they're struggling with and see them overcome it that's what life is all the rest of this stuff is just pretend it's crazy it's i mean it's just it's absolutely crazy and you you have this amazing thing about you that it's just kind of your aura, your presence, the the way that you carry yourself. That it's like a it's like a magnet, man. And that's why you are the Forrest Gump. <laughs> it's just blowing my mind. It's really blowing my mind. And 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 then the story how this book came together. I mean, uh, it's just nuts. It's freaking nuts. It's nuts. It is, oh my man. gosh. 
It is it, nuts. It's mind-blowing. And and what I want to do, I believe this with all my heart, everybody has a story in them. Let's get their stories out. Yes. You know, when we, like, <laughs> I would love, I'm telling you this right now, I would love to know the story on your tats. I would love to yeah. know that. Yeah. Because yeah, that's you, that's you yeah. saying, is. this is me. I mean, my, my, my bride, Susan, and I, whenever we're with anybody, I'll, I'll see, I'm really, I go, hey, tell me about that. What is that about? You yeah. know, or handicapped yeah. people. I'll say, hey, tell me, tell me what happened. Were you, was this a birth thing or did you get in an accident or what? Tell me. And they go, oh, thank you. And because nobody yeah. ever asked them anything, you know? Nope. Nope. That's why I started this podcast. Back to your story. I have the belief that everyone has a story. Real people, real stories. That's what this is about. And that's why I started on this journey. Um, And just you hear you say, it's just, it's just incredible. It's incredible, Dennis. (laughs) I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's it's definitely an honor. Um, I I do, I do have a couple more things I want to talk to you about. Um, When you start to write a book, right? What does that look like? You know, because my, my goal, my dream, um, or one of my goals is to, to write a book, right? Mm. I would have no idea where to start, right? Um, what is that process? I'm going to help you, my friend. I'm going to help you. Okay. I, uh, in fact, off the air, uh, when you, uh, when we reconnect on email, I'll send you something that is so terrific. Um, what I do, I look at this kind of like, uh, okay, uh, blue jeans fit because they fit, right? Because yeah. we've got 150 years of people making blue jeans and they fit. So there's a bit of a style that fits. Uh, somebody can come up with other pants. Like when I go to Israel and I take people to see the, the Druze, they have these right in the center of their crotch huge pockets that are awkward and you can walk really weird you know yeah but blue jeans you can walk regular Uh, yeah so what i do is i put together i put together a an overview of what i want to do then i put together the absolute plot points and i and i make it just like okay you ready for this one yeah, I lo- oh, you're gonna you're gonna love this because what, what, on my next trip, and when I'm anywhere near you, I'm picking you up in the car. And we're gonna do this. My yeah. brother Ken and I, we do this thing called Brown Sign Brothers from Boise. Brown okay. Sign Brothers from Boise. Um, <laughs> uh, right, History Channel's thinking about looking at it right now, but we just get in our car and we look for brown signs along the way, the freeway. And then we go off and we go find out what that hist- historical marker is. And then we do a show okay. about that. Yeah. It's pretty rad. Yeah. But the yes. thing is, there's, there's a schedule. There's this, we, we know where we're going. Once we get there, we know where we're going next. And um, in fact, if, if you just text uh, brown sign bros, brown sign bros to 72,000, brown sign bros, 72,000, you'll see the, the sizzle reel on it. And okay. um, so what I'll send to you, what I'll send to you, and it's really kind of a great um, matrix that you can build your story on, whether it's a, a um, nonfiction book or whether it's a fiction book, because yeah. everything has to have 
has to have a rhythm to it, you know? Every, everything has a rhythm to it. Yeah. And if you don't have that rhythm, people get bored with it or they don't like it. They, they think it's, it doesn't meet their need. And so they put okay. it down. And so I, I just love to help you with the rhythm of your writing. That's awesome. No, I, I really, really appreciate that. And um, I'm excited to text 72,000 brown sign bros. I wrote that down. My brother looks like a stinking biker. He's, he's, he's just awesome. He's just tatted and he's, uh, you know, he's nine years yes. younger than me. Uh, but he looks a lot no younger way. than me. He's, he's a biker and he's a NICU and PICU nurse. No way. Babies, man. Babies. No yeah, and I'd so, love to hear his story. Yeah, it's, it's pr pretty awesome. And, no, uh, that is. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we just want to touch as many people's lives as we can. Um, yes. And here's a good one, too. Uh, it's the best way for you to understand me or what I'm doing or my story. And it's based on John Ford's last film that he ever directed. Uh, okay. It's called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Okay. Okay. You need to write I, that I down and watch it. It's a black and white film. Uh, right. Ford was probably the premier director in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, 60s, mm -hmm. maybe. Spielberg often calls him as sort of like, oh, God, he's the best. And yeah. it's John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, and Lee Marvin. And the whole premise wow. of it is that one man helped another man become famous, and nobody ever knew about the unfamous man. Wow. And that's my heart. Wow. I want to be that unfamous man helping others touch lives. And that's consequently, my, my, I hope my books do it. I mean, I, I got a, I got a, da it, I got yeah. a daily devotional about a blind dog that I wrote uh, <clears throat> that is an encouragement to people when they're, when they're in a jam because Every day we need to be encouraged, you know, and encourage, yeah. encouragement is not an emotion. It, encouragement is, by the, you know, of course, I'm an author, so I, words mean things. It uh, comes from the concept of putting courage into someone, yeah. courage into them to encourage. Yeah. So this is just like, oh, you have a nice haircut or you have, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's none of that. It's how can I help you become the warrior, the painter, the singer, uh, the dancer, the writer. How can I help you become that? How can I breathe courage into you so that you can then accomplish what you need to do? And and I guess part of it's my Christianity, but a large part of it is just the way I'm wired. And uh, great mom, uh, you know, it's who I am. It's who we are. It's my story, like you said. And, yes, it is. It is your story. And that's, uh, yeah, just like, I don't know, this, this, this whole conversation, I can feel it. I understand it. Um, you, you, you also said, I don't know if you know where I live, but I'm, I live in Los Angeles. Okay. And um, your, your next book or next time that you're out here, I would love for you to come into the studio. I would love for you to come. We'll do a podcast in person, get some dinner. We'll that do, would we'll do be, something. we're it on would, for that, okay? Yes, yes, on yes, yes. We, I, we, like, like we, no doubt. We, we as a family, yeah, I'm, I'm a recovering Southern Californian, so uh, yeah. we as a family go back to see family. We also have spent 36 years, the summers of 36 years, going to Catalina Island uh, to oh. Gallagher, Gallagher Cove. We, I take my That's family there. 
and we just hang out at campus by the sea. And so, yeah, yes. we'll, be, we'll be there. I would go there as a kid. You went to CBS? Yes, of course. Of course. What, 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 years, what years would you have gone? Cause I, cause how old are you right now? I'm 33. So it was, it was definitely when I was younger. Um, my father passed when I was 17. Oh, yeah. So definitely before that. Yeah. I, I just, a while ago, that's for sure. Well, here's the deal. You ready uh, for this? We, we may have met when you were a kid and you may, you're at the age that, um, at least two of my uh, younger kids are, Nate would be almost 40 now. Uh, Meg's yeah. 30, Meg's 36. And my youngest yeah. caboose son, uh, caboose boy, uh, he's, he's 20, he's 28. So yeah, we go to CBS for, and we've gone there for 36 years. That's uh, wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. And that's so, not that far. Yes. Actually, um, I, I live in, uh, LA County. So I, I live in New Hall, Santa Clarita, oh, yeah. you know, Magic Mountain. Yep. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah, yep. not not that far at all. So um, we we have to make this happen. So next time you come out, um, it, we gotta we gotta get some time together. Um, as we start to wrap this up, Jeremy, tell me a little bit about the podcast. Uh, the podcast that I do. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. thank you for even bringing that up. It's called just. Of right course. Around, it's called just around the corner, and uh, all right. Uh, I I got it from uh, I got the term uh, from a book I was reading. In preparation for the book two of uh, To Trust in What We Cannot See, I bought the 10-volume um, biography of Abraham Lincoln's life written by his two um, uh, private secretaries, uh, John Hay and John Nicolay. And John Hay was just, dude, he's, it was, he was the man. He was in his 20s, running the White House. He was the millennial's millennial, man. And yeah. I love this guy. And so uh, I was reading. Uh, and he made a comment that uh, no matter what we face, uh, both good and bad, that uh, th- our life is really just around the corner. You know, what we're facing now has never come to absolutely rest because just around the corner is the next phase. So what I did was I wanted to look at travel, uh, culture, and entertainment. So the travel is Brownstein Brothers from Boise. We do an audio version of it. And you'll, if you click on, uh, you'll hear Ken, Ken's voice. He's, he's just great. I feel like such an amateur compared to him. Uh, he's so, he's just awesome. I, I don't know how to crow enough about my brother. Um, and then I have uh, a young lady named Meg. We do uh, the entertainment. We do movies with Meg. And so um, we'll get together. She and I will get together. And we'll just watch a movie. And so we've done Citizen Kane. We've done, uh, you know, The Godfather. And then one time we were recording and I said, you know what we ought to do is what about Bob? And the studio engineer had it going and she goes, you suck. And I go, what? And she goes, that's the world's worst movie. And we did an entire show on what about Bob? <laughs> I busted my balls, man. It was just so great. Uh, oh, I love it. So if you have a chance. So culture, uh, I talk about things that are, uh, you know, uh, in front of us. So travel, yeah. culture, yeah. and entertainment. And, um, and I, I try to keep it to, you know, anywhere from 33 to 57 minutes. And, and, uh, yeah. we, you know, we, we started it a year ago and I, I knock them out about once every three, um, weeks. And so it's a slow go, that. but it's a lot of fun. I have, I have people from all over the world that listen. Um, yes, isn't we that took, great. 
we took a month off of uh, December 15th to January 15th. And we went down to New Zealand and we stayed there. And Brock, it was so incredible. And oh and gosh. so now, now I have New Zealand listeners to it. And I'm like, yeah, you know. Yes, yes, yes. That's so cool. So New Zealand such an incredible story. It's we listen, my friend, we will get together. We will share. Yeah. Uh, we might go to uh let's see, there's a couple of really great um Mexican food restaurants up near where you are that uh we'll have to just we'll have to do it. Yeah. Th- and then we can crack For the sure. Then we can crack the Yes, yes, yes. Sí, señor. Um, I, okay, so as, as we start to wrap this up, oh, I did have one more question about the book. Yeah. Um, did you do an audiobook version? Thank you for asking. We're doing it. Actually, we're recording it this next two weeks. Good, good. Who's reading it? I am. Yes. And I get to yes. do the parts, too. Yes. The, the producer and the director yes. both said, you've got some great voices. And yes. I, I said, well, yeah, I guess it's... Okay, you do. I'll do it. So we'll do. Uh, we'll do it, and uh, I've got a great producer on it, and I got I got a great director, and so uh, our anticipation. Uh, it's it's been weird because okay, it's so great that you asked me that because all right, ready, but see all the color things, dude. I yeah, totally have yeah, to do yeah, this yeah. in order. This is my version that I'll be using in order that yeah. the German accent goes with the right person now. The Austrian yeah. accent. Those is the other person, <laughs> and then the female <laughs> voice is a little bit higher pitched, you know. Yeah, uh, but the, yes. the, the, I think I've got them down, so we'll see. Proof of the pudding, no, as they say, will be in the eating. So, I hope you <laughs> like it. <laughs> no, it's it's important. I I always uh, appreciate and like it a lot better when the author reads the book. It's it's it makes the world of a difference. Um, so that's really cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, where can everyone find your stuff? I know that they can, you know, DennisManfield.com, um, social media, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, podcast, well, where's everything? Absolutely. In fact, you know, uh, Dennis Mansfield authors on Facebook. Okay. You know, uh, I've got, a, I don't know, 4,000, some 3,500 people. That, it's not huge, but it's right. fun. Um, DennisMansfield.com. You can buy the book directly from that. But, but also, uh, you know, uh, Amazon. Uh, is selling them like crazy, and and uh, the podcast is on all the platforms. I mean, literally, uh, whatever platform you listen to, do that. And and if you go to dennismansfield.com, you go to the author page. It, it also shows some of the other books that I've done, and one one in particular that I'm really proud of. It's called Finding Malone, and I did it oh probably five years ago, but it was on the premise of the of the um, father wound. And so many of us, uh, like I said, when we began the podcast episode today, uh, my dad was not the soul of, of sensitivity. And so I really, uh, I used to pray that, that he would die, you know, that, that when he was in the military, he would die. And it wasn't until I was 35, I think, that he and I had a reconciliation. And the book is about that through an unusual gift of a, helmet that my dad gave me when I was a boy. And and you go, how would that work? Well, that's the beauty of the book. And so uh, that has been turned into a screenplay and Beautiful Night's been turned into a screenplay. And, you know, uh, I think all the books that I've written have a great feel to them. Some I co-wrote with some wonderful authors. And, 
guys that uh, I saw uh, that they could be authors. They'd written stuff but never been published, so I brought them alongside me and then got it published. And then now, now they're publishing their own stuff. So, so yeah. I, love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. What, what you just said about your father, um, I can, I can totally relate to you. Like I said, my father passed when I was 17. Um, yeah. but, uh, I'm sorry. He was, he was a, he, it is what it is, but thank you. He was, uh, he was a hard ass. He was yeah. an alcoholic, um, beat the shit out of me. Yep. And, but he loved me. Yeah. He loved me, right? It's yeah. kind of twisted thing, but I, Right. You did. And, um, but there were, there were many times where I was like, just fucking go. Just, yeah. Just die. Just, right? die. And, just die. Yeah. Just fucking die. Yeah. And then I it does you. happen. It doesn't matter what age, right? That does not matter what age. You're like, yeah. please come back. Right. And, um, and I would well, do anything to have it, him it, back. Yeah. I mean, as you think about it, when we, when we have that wound, father wound healed, um, I, I did this. I went to this conference years ago, and it was called Promise Keepers, and uh, it was done in Colorado. And the, the football coach of the Colorado Golden Buffaloes was putting it on. It, was, it wasn't a businessman. He was a, you know, he 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 printed up fifty thousand T-shirts and fit, had fifty thousand hamburgers, and you know, twenty thousand guys show up, and it's a financial failure. And yeah. uh, I went to it, and I and I saw that there was there was something good about it. So I went down on the field afterwards, and I said, "Hey, coach." would you mind if I looked at this and put my business background on it? And he goes, I, uh, this is it. I'm, I'm a failure. I said, no, you're not a failure. Let's see if we could do something. So anyway, I had the honor of reshaping promise keepers and then putting the first one on in Boise. And um, uh, we had a guy named John uh, Eldridge uh, come in and speak a number of uh, Jim Zorn, who was a football guy and a number of others, but we turned it into the, um, the model that could be used and duplicated as if it was a franchise. And so for about uh, six years, something like four or five million men uh, came to these conferences uh, in sports arenas and got that father wound healed because that's what it yes. is. You know, uh, a, a good buddy of mine, uh, I, I, the, the name Fowler doesn't ring a bell to anybody doesn't ring a bell. Okay. His, his name is Randy Fowler. But the name Spacey does. Kevin Spacey is Randy Fowler's younger brother. Holy shit. So, so Kevin's oh. last name is actually Fowler. And okay. um, um, so Randy, uh, I, I've been mentoring him and coaching him and being his friend for about 25 years. And, and he has written some great stuff on on it. If you ever have a chance to Google Randy Fowler, um, he's a professional drummer. He kind of looks like Rod Stewart, kind of an interesting. Okay. You know, if I had hair, I'd probably comb it like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> but but Kevin Spacey's life is a, a broken life of a, yeah. of a father wound because that's what Randy's was. And, so, yeah. you know, we can, before we judge everybody so harshly, we got to look at where their, where their brokenness is. Yes, it's so freaking true. It is so true. We're all human. We all make mistakes. God, yes. This is not even talking about Kevin Spacey, but just yeah. as, as a whole, as, as, as human beings, um, when did it become okay that just because you fuck up, you mess up, yeah. that is it, right? Yeah. What happened yeah. to redemption, second chances, 
you know, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, if you go and kill a whole bunch of people, right? right but even right. at that point, you can still, these individuals, these younger kids that are doing these crazy mass shootings, right? What yes. is to say by the time they're 40, 50 years old, that they're completely different human beings, right? right? And I'm not saying to just, but besides the point, like whatever jail or not, right? Just as humans, right? We yeah. should be able to redeem ourselves. We need to have a society that goes, you fucked up, you messed up. Yeah. Let's come yep. together. Let's work together. And, and, and you know, you are right on. Listen to me. You are right on. And it's your heartbeat. Listen, it's your heartbeat. You, you are at the age that Jesus was when he was crucified. Isn't that a wild thought? And the crazy. wisdom that you have up to this age, don't let anybody ever tell you that you don't have a place at the table. Because your age and your experience and all that you've done has they've given you this opportunity through your podcast to touch thousands and thousands of people's lives. And you're doing it, man. You're doing it. I, I am one episode uh, that will in a week be forgotten. And I know that in many ways. But let me just tell you, you're there every time, every time every time and it's you breathing life that really breathes courage into those into the people that are are there i mean uh dude you you keep you keep doing because you do not know right now uh from even this episode whose life that you've touched in a huge way certainly have touched mine thank you thank you dennis Thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story uh, and, 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 and the book, man, the book and, 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 and <laughs> you know, just your, I mean, man, I, I just really appreciate you from the bottom of my heart coming on here. And Thanks, um, I, I, I look forward to meeting you in person. And I know this is not going to be the last time this that we speak. Um, I, 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 yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, any uh, any last words? Well, you know, I don't salute a lot of people, but I salute you. Um, I would say probably this: that um, you know, we're whether we believe in God or not. The reality is, we we were created. I happen to believe in God, so uh, I know that we're created in His image, and because we're created in His image, everything in the beautifulness of this world is creation, including our minds. And so I would just encourage the men and women, young boys, young girls, the older people that might be even, um, you know, subscribers to your podcast, to, to let their creative juices go, because he, he put that in you. Let it go. If you haven't played, uh, learned to play guitar, play guitar, you know? There's an yeah. old Cat Stevens song, If You Want to Be You, Be You, and If You Want to yeah. Be Me, Be Me, There's a Million Things to Do If You Want to. And so I would say, go out and do it, man. Yes, yes, yes. It's never too late. It is never too late until it's too late. And then, um, and that's yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, rock on, man. Rock on. Um, once the audio version comes out, let me know. I'll, I'll let everyone know about it. I'll give you, a, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with everyone. Um, uh, go to Amazon, go to DennisManfield.com. I'll put, uh, yeah, I'll put all the information, um, in, in the notes section. Thank you again for coming on. You bet, buddy. Dos Coronas. Por yes, dos yes, coronas. yes, 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 <laughs> yes. 
All right, all right. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Back to Your Story. Have a good night, people. Wowzers. Thank you so much for tuning to the podcast. I want to thank Dennis for coming on to share his story. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. It helps the podcast grow in a major way. And if you want to watch this podcast in the video version or any of our other you know, podcasts that we've done in the past or in the future, uh, go to our YouTube channel. Use this link, bit.ly backslash btystube. Once again, that's bit.ly backslash btystube. And remember, new stories premiere every week. Have a good night. Smooches! Smooches!